Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. Now, this week in your reading, you'll be uh, going through uh, the book of Malachi, but there's one little chapter still hanging around in the book of Nehemiah. And I love the way the book of Nehemiah ends, and Brian has done such an excellent job setting this up, talking about Nehemiah's story. And basically, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, Nehemiah has been leading the rebuilding of God's city, the city of Jerusalem. And the people have experienced revival, and Nehemiah, because of his duties to the king of Babylon, has had to travel back and forth a little bit, and he returns once again to find things in just disarray. It's like without a shepherd, the sheep scatter, you know, just like the Bible says. And he comes back to God's city, and he sees how messed up things have gotten in the short amount of time that he's been gone. And so the Bible says that he begins to make further reforms. And uh, one of those was to, again, go back to what God's Word says, which is what Pastor Brian preached about last week, going back to God's standard and God's commands. And now he's reaching the end of his ministry, and, and, and as we have it in the book of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter 13, it's where we'll be this morning, I want to look at this chapter through the lens of this question. How will you be remembered? It's a pretty important question, isn't it? How will you be remembered? Someone said if you want everyone to remember you when you're dead and gone, just borrow money from your relatives before you die. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good way. You probably won't like the way they would remember you, but you would be remembered that way. So Nehemiah returns from Babylon. He finds everything in a mess, people doing just exactly what they shouldn't be doing. He finds one of those naysayers, Tobiah, living in God's house, so he this, this chapter is awesome, by the way. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible because Nehemiah just goes haywire in the name of Jesus. He kicks Tobiah out, throws him out, purifies the place, begins to get things back in order. And let's begin looking at God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 11. The Bible says, Therefore, I rebuke the officials, asking, Why has the house of God been neglected? Ponder on that. For a moment. I gathered the Levites and singers together and stationed them at their posts. Then all Judah brought a tenth of the grain, new wine, and fresh oil into the storehouses. I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses the priest. Now, when you get to these names, it's okay if you have trouble reading them. You can say, I appointed George, and I appointed Bill, and I appointed Gary. And Hayden, the son of. Uh, Zachur, Zach, we call him Zach. It's okay. Son of Madonai to assist them. Because they were considered trustworthy. They were responsible for the distribution to their colleagues. And here's one of these phrases that we will see repeated time and time again throughout this chapter. Remember me for this, my God. And don't erase the deeds of faithful love I've done for the house of my God. And its services. 
The first thing I want us to consider this morning is how will you be remembered for what you've done for God's church? You know, one of the favorite memories that I have of coming to Rock House a little over five years ago, one of the first things that we did was we looked around and we said, you know what? We need to have a cleanup day at church, kind of like we did yesterday. And a lot of folks come out. I remember Mac packing a weed eater around and just packing ladders. And we started going through Sunday school rooms and pulling stuff out. And Donna's like, can we throw this away? Can we throw this away? Can we throw this away? <laughs> we're like, yeah. Come, Lo and behold, there were Sunday school rooms downstairs. We didn't realize it. And we just began to straighten things back up and get everything back in working order. And I just, I still have some pictures on my computer from that first cleanup day, people power washing and just truckloads of stuff going to the dump and going to different mission projects. And then we saw a similar thing yesterday taking place. And then there's also not long after that first cleanup, you may remember this, when everybody came together and, and worked on God's house was when we had that big flood that first year. We had been here just a few months and the place gets flooded. But I remember not only folks from our church, but people from the community coming together and, and scooping out mud and wringing out mops and water and power washing. Uh, the, the whole uh, parking lot had to be pressure washed because there's about that much mud over the whole thing. And just seeing God's people come together and show off their love for God's house. It's pretty awesome. Nehemiah knew According to God's word, that, that standard, the guidebook for everything, he knew the way things were supposed to be and the way things were supposed to work. And when he looked at this situation, he realized that, that this was not it. He knew the temple was supposed to function differently than what he saw there in Jerusalem. He understood the important, importance of holiness and, and righteousness and all of these things, these processes that God had put in place in the Old Testament. Nehemiah got it. And so he begins to restore things back to the way they were supposed to be. And, and the first thing he does is he gathers the leaders <laughs> and he helps get them back on track because Lord knows people need leaders. And he gets the leaders focused. He, he, he rebukes them, probably hurts some feelings. But sometimes that's okay. When you do that, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody takes a rebuking very well. But sometimes even I need a, a good godly rebuking. Amen? Okay. <laughs> My wife, amen that. I don't know if you heard that or not. But the point here is, is, is notice the results. It says all of Judah, everybody, all of Judah began to tithe just like they were supposed to. The priests and the singers went back to their post doing the work that they were supposed to do. Things began to function properly just like God had uh, ordained them to do. Now we see this same thing in the church. When the, when the church begins to get back to the very basics, the, the things that God's Word tells us we're supposed to do, but for whatever reason, we get off track and we forget to do these things. But when we do them, when we get back into God's Word, we get back to praying, we get back to sharing the gospel, we get back to ministering to the needs of our community, we get back to heartfelt, sincere worship of God Himself. When all this happens people suddenly began to find their place in God's kingdom. And they're like, you know what? I want to do my part to serve in God's house and in God's kingdom. Disciples begin to be raised up. <laughs> the next generation of leaders is raised up. Christ's church begins to grow and to thrive simply because we're doing the things that God's word tells us we're supposed to be doing. 
Nehemiah longed for God to remember him. You ever think about that? The way that God's going to look at your life and, and remember you? Probably a lot of things you don't want God to remember, right? But what will he remember? Well, specifically, what will he remember about you that you've done for his church? Nehemiah asked that God would remember him for what he'd done for God's house, for his services. He loved the house of God. He loved the ministry of the temple. He had a passion for God's temple, for God's house to function with all these moving parts. And I think his passion is captured by these words. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. Have you ever felt that way, dragging your tail out of bed on Sunday morning? He says, my heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Better a day in your courts than thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. I love Christ's church. And as Christians, we should all love the church. And I know it's easy to get church hurt. But let me tell you something. The church is God's plan and His method to reach and disciple the nations. The church is built on the lordship and the kingship of Jesus Christ. It cannot be stopped. Jesus said even the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. And it's our job as followers of Christ to, to love His church, but also to build up His church, to, to, to bring others into His church. And for each of us, as we are discipled and disciple others, figure out what it is. What is our role in this thing? What is it that I can do? What are the talents and gifts that God has given me that I can use to serve His church? So how will you be remembered for what you've done for his church. When it's all said and done, what will they look back at your life and say about your relationship to the body and bride of Christ? Will they say that you loved his church? It's his church, by the way. It's not ours. It's not mine. It's, it's his. It's not the only thing we'll be remembered for, though. There were some more things that people were doing wrong. And primarily, it all boils down to this one act of disobedience when they were totally neglecting God's Sabbath. Let's look again at verses 17 through 22. Nehemiah says, I rebuke the nobles of Judah. So he goes from the leaders of worship to the nobles of the nation. He says, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil you are doing? Profaning the Sabbath day. And he gives them a history lesson. Didn't your ancestors do the same so that our God brought all this disaster on us and on this city? He's like, folks, we, really, we literally just rebuilt this place after God punished you for doing this same thing. When the shadows began to fall on the city gates of Jerusalem just before the Sabbath, I gave orders that the city gates should be closed and not open until after the Sabbath. I posted some of my men at the gates so that no goods could enter during the Sabbath day. Once or twice, the merchants and those who sell all kinds of goods camped outside Jerusalem. But I warned them, why are you camping in front of the wall? 
If you do it again, I'll use force against you. After that, they did not come again on the Sabbath. (laughs) Smart men. Because we'll find out just what Nehemiah can do. Then I instructed the Levites to purify themselves and guard the city gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. And he says again, Remember me for this also, my God. And look on me with compassion according to the abundance of your faithful love. How will you be remembered for what you've done for God's people? For his church, but also for his people. I think one of the intricacies of being a parent is is figuring out the fine line between disciplining, disciplining your children effectively and just loving them with all your heart. But somewhere those two things go together, don't they? If you really love them, every now and then, I ain't going to say this on the air, but every now and then, <laughs> you have to di- discipline them. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Sometimes God has to discipline His children. And there's been times, Easton is so intuitive and so smart, there's times that I can, I don't have to, to do that to him a lot, but a lot of times I can sit down and say, son, we're going to, have to take this video game away. And here's why. It's not because dad's a bully. It's because I love you. And because I love you, you have to understand there are consequences for your actions. And if you do the right thing, then good things will come. If you don't, dad's going to get on to you. And the same way, sometimes God has to discipline us his children. And sometimes God uses leaders like Nehemiah to do that, to bring that discipline about. So, so Nehemiah goes about, I love how the Bible keeps saying it, he goes about rebuking people, rebuking these officials, and it's not because Nehemiah's a jerk. It's because he's doing it for the sake of the people. He loves the people enough. He knows their history. He knew how God had punished them in the past for this same sin that they were now committing. He knew how they had suffered because of that. And not only did he know that, that keeping the Sabbath was the right thing to do, he knew in teaching the people this and rebuking them and correcting them, he would prevent them from further judgment from God and further discipline. And so, in a strange way, when Nehemiah comes in and cleans house and gets on the people and threatens force against them if they don't act right, He's doing them a huge favor. He loves them enough and he loves his city and his people and his God enough to look them in the face and say, you know what, this is wrong. You need to do better. Because not only will I get on to you, but you are dishonoring our God by what you're doing. Sometimes... And I, get, I understand the importance of the Sabbath, and it's one of the reasons that they were in this mess was because their ancestors hadn't kept it. But sometimes, folks, we do need a break. If God rested, I think I need a break sometimes. God's the one that instituted the Sabbath. But again, it's, it's not just about the Sabbath. It's about the truth. It's about people needing the truth and the instruction of God. It's, it's, a, it's a lesson about about life. People need the truth of Jesus today. And I know we like to tiptoe around and we like to not hurt people's feelings, but let me tell you something. I'd rather hurt somebody's feelings and tell them about Jesus 
them get to the Lord someday in eternity and say, you know what? All these Christians in my life never told me the truth. John 8, 31, Jesus says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in what? In my word. You are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so the point of Nehemiah's rebuking and his bullying is, is not about just the fact that they're breaking the Sabbath. It's about people needing the truth and needing that truth shared in love because, as Jesus said, it's the truth that's going to set us free. But there's this false belief that's so popular today <laughs> that if, if you offer the truth to somebody and it goes against their opinions and it goes against their beliefs and it goes against whatever their ideology is, then all of a sudden you're one of those ist or isms. You're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a communist. I don't know. But you're something because you're telling somebody the truth and it hurts their poor little feelings. But the truth's the truth. And people desperately need the truth shared in love and in grace, whether they want to hear it or not. So Nehemiah was in a position to threaten force here and to do whatever net was necessary to bring things in right order. But sometimes we don't have to be so brutish. You can share, the, when somebody knows that you're sharing the gospel with them and sharing the truth with them because you love them, it's a lot more effective. So how will you be remembered for what you did for God's people? How, let me ask you this. Have you shared the truth with anybody lately? Have you shared the truth that there is a real heaven and there is a very real hell? The truth that God loves sinners enough to send His Son Jesus to not only keep you out of hell, but give you an abundant life and allow you to serve the King of Kings. So I hope I'm remembered for one that loved God's church, but also God's people. But the most important thing is this next thing we learn from Nehemiah. Look at verses 23 through 31. This is really what it's all about. Verse 23 says, In those days I also saw Jews who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. How dare they? Half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples, but could not speak Hebrew. Again, I rebuke them, but it gets better. Cursed them, beat some of their men, and pulled out their hair. But some of you guys, your wife has already pulled out most of your hair. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I forced them to take an oath before God and said, you must not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters as wives for your sons or yourselves. Didn't King Solomon of Israel, again, reminding them of where they'd come from, their history, didn't King Solomon of Israel sin in matters like this? There was not a king like him among many nations. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel, yet foreign women drew him into sin. Why then should we hear about you doing all this terrible evil and acting unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? 
Even one of the sons of Jehoiada, son of the high priest Elishab, had become a son-in-law to Sanballat the Hornite. Lord have mercy. So I drove him away from me. And here is Nehemiah's final words in the Bible. One, remember them, my God, for defiling the priesthood as well as the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. So I purified them from everything foreign and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. I also arranged for the donation of wood at the appointed times and for the first fruits. And then he ends with this. Remember me, my God, with favor, with grace. The final thing we've got to wonder, we've got to answer, is how will you be remembered? Not just what you've done for God's church, not just what you've done for God's people, but what you've done for God himself. <laughs> when you've been really bad and you get saved, it's easy to start thinking, boy, I've really got to do a lot to start repaying God for how much it costs to save me. But then you begin to think about it. What do I have that I can offer the God of the universe? What could I ever do or say to repay Him for the precious blood of His Son that was shed for me? At the end of the day, there's nothing that you could ever give God that would be enough. But the good news is you don't have to either. You don't have to repay Him. That's what grace is all about. It is an unmerited favor, just like Nehemiah says. Remember me, God, with favor. But you do these things. You serve God. You serve His church. You, you, you give of yourself and your time and your talents because you, you want to. You love Him. And out of the overflow of the abundance of the love that you have for God, you begin to do all these good works for Him. And you want to follow Him. You want to obey Him. You want to worship Him. And when I think about what Jesus has done for me, man, it should be an, an honor and a privilege to tell other people about that. So Nehemiah did a lot of things. We read through this book, and Brian has, has taught us so much about how Nehemiah had worked hard and encouraged the people to work hard, and he, he led, he loved God's house, he loved God's people, but all of that, I believe, was rooted in Nehemiah's deep, deep love for, for God himself, for his father. And I think this is such a fitting conclusion to Nehemiah's story. He didn't just want to be remembered for what he did for the temple. He didn't just want to be remembered what he did for the people. He wanted to be remembered by God himself. And he simply prayed, God, just remember me. When you look at my life, when I enter into your course, just remember me with favor. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, we don't have to answer to each other very often. We need to hold each other accountable. Yes. We need to encourage either one another. And sometimes we need a good swift rebuking from one another. But at the end of the day, ultimately, we're all going to stand before our God. And that's who we're going to answer to. So whatever you do, whatever decision that you make, whatever action you take, whatever you say, whatever you think, man, you better be doing it with the Lord in mind. Whatever task is before you. I mean, even if it's something that seems so minuscule, if you come into this church one day and you're sorting through clothes to give away, or sweeping the floor, or weed-eating outside. You better do it as if you're doing it for the Lord Himself. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart, 
as something done for the Lord and not for people. So the big question, the most important question is, how will you be remembered for what you've done for the Lord? In other words, how will God look at you one day? Because that's where we're all headed. It's a reality we don't like to face, but one day, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. One day, every one of us, we're going to be standing before our Maker. And how is he going to look at your life? You know, for me, I want to be remembered just like that song says we sing sometimes, for loving my Jesus. For loving his people. For loving his church. And I hope and I pray whenever that day comes, I can stand before him and hear those words, Tom, well done. My good and faithful servant. Stand with us. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord, I know how easy it is to get bogged down by life and, and busyness. How easy it is to be heard at the church or other Christians the pastor but Lord we are called to love you with all of our heart all of our soul our mind our strength to love our neighbor as ourselves. we are called to love the bride of Christ to be part of that body as our Sunday school lesson taught us and Lord I just ask now that we would reflect on what we're doing what we're willing to do in obedience to you, in obedience to your word, to grow your church. Not just because we want a bigger church, but because we want to see people come to Christ. We want to see disciples raised up. We want to see our community look differently than it does right now. And we know the power of the cross and the gospel has that ability. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that is not part of that body, that they don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today they would make that decision to place their faith and trust in Him for salvation. And God, then they could find their place where they could serve and be used by God to do wonderful things. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.